All right, I'm going to say he is risen on the count of three, and you're going to shout back to me, he is risen indeed. Are you ready to practice that? All right, we're going to have practice. We're actually going to do it, all right? On the count of three, I'm going to say he is risen, and you're going to say what? All right, here we go. One, two, three. He is risen! He is risen! He's risen indeed. Amen. Welcome, City Church family. Thank you for joining us today. I have a very special announcement to make today. Listen, 22 years ago, April 4th, 1999, City Church had its very first public service. Celebrating 22 years of bringing God's love to the city. Come on, we can give God a better hand than that. 22 years we kept showing up. Kept telling people about the love of God. City Church Dream Teamers, thank you for making the difference and making that possible. I love you. God loves you. And I got to tell you, our best is yet to come. Come on. Our best is yet to come. When you came in today, you received what we call our connection card. It's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. It's got some upcoming events, a couple of those events that you heard about on the videos there. And on the bottom is what we call our connection card. It's a, a, it's a place for you to put your name and your email address. And over here on your far right-hand side, there's what we call our next step boxes. And uh, at the end of the service today, we're going to walk through, we're going to give everyone here an opportunity. Uh, we got some seats. We're going to take just a moment here. We got some people. Uh, you're gonna, you guys are going to get that worked out there? Okay. We got some people. I know we got COVID. If you could put your mask on maybe and help us out, but there's some people that need some seats here. If you could help us out with that, that would be great. But I want to, I want to encourage you today on this connection card. Uh, I want to encourage you to follow along today at the end of the service. We're going to be asking those questions there. And then on the back, we have our prayer, uh, prayer request and our praise report. And we'd love to hear from you today. And then at the e immediately following the service, we're going to be having our Easter egg hunt. And there's some directory or some information there for you and for your children. I want you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to look at three verses for emphasis this morning, beginning with verse number five. And the Bible says, the angel of the Lord said to the women, this is Mary and Mary, not the Mary and Mary you're thinking of. This is another Mary and Mary. They lived 2,000 years ago. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead. He has risen from the dead. I want to speak to you on this idea because Jesus was all in. You and I can live all out for him. Because Jesus was all in, he made it possible for you and I to live all out for him. We're going to pray today for a gentleman that helped City Church start 22 years ago. His name is Hank Schauer. He and his wife, Joyce, who has now gone on to be with the Lord, and one other couple. We moved from Seattle to Central Florida. We didn't know one person in this community. 3,500 miles to bring God's love to our community. Hank is uh, undergoing chemo treatments this week, and I talked to him yesterday on the phone. He's very weak. Will you join with me as we pray for this pillar of faith, this giant of the faith, that help this city church become what it is today? Will you join with me as we pray? Father, we thank you today for the privilege, once again, to gather this Resurrection Sunday. This Sunday that we declare that you are risen, risen indeed. 
We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for the work on the cross that you did 2,000 years ago. We thank you for the life that you gave so that we could have life. We thank you that you lived all in so that we could live all out for you. God, I pray today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll touch every person in this room. You'll give them a spiritual ear to hear, and you'll open their hearts to receive. Now, Lord, as a church family and community, we pray for Hank. We thank you for his life and for his sacrifice, Lord, moving he and his wife all the way here, Lord, with no promise of a future, no, 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 no really understanding what you were going to do, but believing, Lord, that you had called him to this good work. I pray that you'll strengthen his body. I pray that you'll quicken, to, quicken him today by the power of your spirit. God bless Hank. Bless him for his labors. Bless him for his work today. Now, Lord, we ask this in your wonderful and mighty and powerful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. He lived all in so that we could live all out. 1496, there was a guy by the name of William Tyndall who lived all in for God. He was all in. William Tyndall, he lived a life, he was so committed to the cause of Christ. He was so committed to the purposes of God. The Bible, as we have it today, in the English language, had never been printed. And in the late 1400s, he made this commitment to translate the Bible in the original languages from the Greek and the Hebrew. He made this commitment to get it translated so that the modern guy could read it. King Henry VIII wasn't too well pleased about that, and so he decided to, to make sure that he would pay the price for what he was about to do. Because of William Tyndall's commitment to get the Bible printed into the English language, Wendell Tyndall, William Tyndall was strangled and strung up and eventually burned at the stake. He was a good man who lived all in. In the 1940s, there was a, a soldier in the United States military. His name was Lieutenant John Robert Fox. In Oklahoma, one of the military bases, they actually have a hall that's dedicated to him. One of our soldiers, one of the men that attends our church, was actually stationed there. He was telling me about this story. In 1944, the Allied forces were fighting against the Germans. They were in the northern part of Italy, and this man led a battalion of individuals. He realized as they were coming under a fire, under attack from the Germans, that they were getting closer and closer and closer. And so he dismissed his men to, to leave that battlefield and to begin to make a circle around the Germans. And, and there, that individual, Lieutenant John Fox, he, he stood there. He stood his ground and single-handedly, he drew the Germans in closer and closer and closer. And he would finally succumb and give his life for sacrifice and duty for this great nation. When they finally went in and they, to get his body, they found that there were over a hundred German soldiers that he had killed in this attack. In the meantime, every single man in his battalion lived. Wow, what a sacrifice. One guy who was willing literally to live all in so that others could live all out. He was a good man. In, in 1865, uh, there was a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. We know him today as the 16th president of the United States. He was another person who lived all in in his generation. Things happened in his life. The country was embroiled in a great civil war over the issue of slavery. Abraham Lincoln led the northern troops and their soldiers. He was a great military strategist. He was a very wise man. He, he led the northern troops into victory in 1865. A guy by the name of John Wilkes Booth would take his life. Abraham Lincoln lived all in so other people could live all out. He was a good man. 
1878, there were a group of people that thought that they could steal Abraham Lincoln's body, and so they were going to, going to become grave robbers. It's a long story. You can read it for yourself. You can Google it. This actually happened. And a couple of guys that were involved in it, they got caught. It didn't happen. But over the next 30 years, his body would be moved 10 different times. 1901, his son, Robert Lincoln, made the decision. He said, you know, he said, man, somebody's going to steal my dad's body. we got to make sure that never happens. So they exhumed his body from the grave, and they made a decision to open the casket. When they opened the casket, there were 27 people standing by. Each one of them saw his body, and what they were amazed at was that he was so well-preserved 36 years after his death that they could still, still see the skin tone on his flesh. They saw the mole on his face and the hair on his head. He was easily identifiable as Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a good man. But here's the deal. When they went to his tomb and they opened that casket, he was still in that grave. He was still in that casket. I want you to know today that there was a man who lived 2,000 years ago. He wasn't just a good man who lived all in and gave his life all out. I want you to hear today, he was the God man. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus today. Come on, his name is Jesus. You see, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and the Bible says that he lived a sinless life, sinless life. A lot of people in our world, a lot of people celebrate the, the reality that people have lived lives that are all in. But Jesus lived a life, the only person that could live all in so that every person on planet Earth could have a relationship with God and live all out for them and their generation. You know, I thought a lot about this this last week, and I realized that a lot of people say that they're all in. In 2006, uh, Alex Rodriguez said he was all in for the New York Yankees. He's just signed a huge multi-hundred million dollar contract. He said, we're going to take him to the pennant. Well, in 2006, they didn't even, even win the American League East. They, they were defeated by the Detroit Tigers. But at the end of the day, Alex Rodriguez took home a $20 million paycheck. 2015, LeBron James said, I'm all in for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Got the whole city, got the whole community. I'm all in. We're all in. In 2018, the Miami Heat came along and said, we'll give you $154 million if you play for us. I guess, I guess that LeBron James wasn't all that in for Cleveland Cavaliers. You see, lots of people say that they're all in, but there's only one who was all in, completely all in. And here's the deal. Jesus lived a sinless life, the perfect God-man on planet Earth. The Bible said that he know, that knew no sin became our sin so that we could live in right relationship with God. Jesus lived all in. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death on the cross 2,000 years ago. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. The Bible says that before the foundation of the world, it was God's plan to send his only son. But hear me today. Jesus willingly laid it down. Jesus actually said these words. No man takes my life from me. I freely give it because I love you. But here's the deal. The grave couldn't hold Jesus. Death couldn't hold Jesus. Because on the third day, Jesus rose again. Jesus is alive. He is risen. Just as he said. Jesus lived all in so that you and I could live all out. Paul, the apostle, would say it like this in the book of Romans. The good news, this is good news about Jesus, about God, his son. 
He was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, because Jesus was all in, his resurrection power saves us from our past. His resurrection power saves us from our past. The Bible says he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. All of us have a past. We have past regrets. We have past resentments. We have past rejections. Listen, everyone has something they regretted in this life, right? I mean, come on, be honest with me. Every person here has said this prayer, God, I'm never going to do that again. Come on. You've all said that prayer. God, I'm never going to do that again. And then what do you do? Oh, come on. What do you do? You do it again. We've all, we've all have regrets in life. My sister called me this week and she was bragging about her Bitcoin purchase. She would tell me she made a Bitcoin purchase and she was talking about how much money. And I got to tell you, I was having some regrets. <laughs> oh, we have lots of regrets. Some are small. Some are big. All of us in this room know. There's things in their life that we wish we could turn the dial back and we could redo. Every one of us. Here's a deal with God. Here's a deal with God. You see, the Bible says he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was, he was raised to life to make us right with God. See, our past can be forgiven today because of what Jesus not only did on the cross, but when he defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead. He was raised to life so that we could have life. Our past regrets can be forgiven. We can be forgiven today. We can know him as our personal savior. <laughs> not only is our past re regrets, not only our past regrets uh, are dealt with because of Jesus' resurrection, he also helps us with our resentments in life. Every person in this room has been offended by someone. Every person has had someone do something to you that was unfair, that was wrong. Maybe they did it spitefully. Maybe they did it uh, not on purpose. But all of us have been offended and hurt by other people. Maybe it was a father or a mother. Maybe it was a coworker or a cousin. Maybe it was your next door neighbor. Maybe it just happened yesterday. All of us have experienced injustice, injustice and things in life that were unfair. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to help us with our resentments in life. You know, we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. We have to decide how we're going to deal with these kinds of things that come up into our life. The writer of Hebrews says it like this in Hebrews chapter 12. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. My grandmother, my father's mother, was a woman who'd had six children. In the war, World War II, her husband left her, left her with six kids to raise on her own. When I was born in the early 60s, as I was growing up as a kid, I remember every time I would get around my grandmother, she would retell the story. She would rehash the story how her husband had left her. He'd gone on and he'd lived a life and remarried someone else. And that woman had got his pension. And here she was all these years still poor and had to raise these six kids and all the troubles and all the problems that she had. She could never see the blessing of life. She could never see the benefit of it. And I remember as a kid thinking, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that kind of person who holds on to resentment and unforgiveness and bitterness. You know, Jesus said it like this in this area of our life. Jesus said this. He said, he said if you don't forgive, 
If you don't forgive those who offend and hurt you, your heavenly Father in heaven can't forgive you. You see, here's the deal. My grandfather was not affected by my grandmother's resentment. Never, never, never cost him anything. Matter of fact, he went on, he got married, lived his whole other life and started another family. But my grandmother was held prisoner all those years because of that resentment. Lived her whole life. You have a choice today. You can be held chains and captives by what someone else did to you or you can choose to live a life of forgiveness and blessing by God's spirit and God's power that lives in us today. Someone said amen today. It's so simple, but it's so hard because you have a decision to make. Paul, the apostle, had some regrets and resentments in life. He was very angry at the Christians. He was a devout Jewish zealot. He wrote most of the New Testament that we have today, but he was a very devout religious man, but he didn't have a relation, relationship with God. He had religion. He was a devout Jewish man. He tried his very best to obey the 613 laws of the Old Testament. And listen, when this Jesus came along, this zealot, this radical came along, and a bunch of people started to follow him, he was ticked off. The Bible actually says that he consented until the death of a man by the name of Stephen. He had some regrets. He had some resentments. One day, Paul the Apostle, he, who would become the Apostle, this man Saul would encounter Jesus on the road to Damascus, which is a, just a little north of Israel in Syria. Paul would encounter Jesus, and Jesus said, Paul, why are you struggling so hard? Why are you fighting against me? And in one moment, this man Saul became Paul, and his life was transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus. And this is what he said about his past. He said, listen. Can you go back to Philippians chapter 3? He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and I press on. Everyone say, I press on. Come on, I press on. I move forward to the high calling that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. All because of his resurrection. Here's what happens. The moment, the moment you say yes and allow Jesus' resurrection power to become alive in you. The moment you go all in for him. This is what happens. You now become a child of God. It's that simple. You've forgiven. You, re you, you released your oppressors. You said, God, I give you my life. I'm moving forward and onwards with you. Now I know today that I am your child. You see, God has called us his children today. We are now children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Do you know how that happens today? Because Christ Jesus paid the price, went to the cross, and on the third day rose from the dead. He went all in so that you and I can live a life that's all out. Someone said amen. But not only... Did Christ go so that we could be forgiven of our sins? His resurrection power, his resurrection reality gives us power for our present. In Romans chapter 8, 
Paul would go on to write these words. This man who had encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, this man who encountered the resurrected, risen Savior, this man who knew the reality of Christ living in him, the hope of glory. He said, if the spirit of Jesus, who was raised from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, quicken, strengthen your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You see, the moment you come to Christ, the moment you surrender, the moment his resurrection power becomes a reality to you, you now understand that you've been created by God for a purpose. God has a purpose. You see, before I knew Christ, when I was living for myself, I lived aimlessly. I went from experience to experience, from moment to moment, just living for Eugene. But the moment Christ came into my life, I realized that he created me for a greater purpose and plan. Rick Warren says God's purpose for your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It will last longer than your family, your ministry, or even your dreams and ambitions. To know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. God has a roadmap. God has a plan for each one of us in this room. The fact is today, his resurrection power lives in us and gives us life. It quickens us. It strengthens us. It enables us to live the life that Christ has called us to. This is what I like to say. When Christ came into my life, he made a better Eugene. When Christ came into your life, he makes you a better person. I got to tell you today, I was a rascal and a little bit of a rug rat. Before Christ came into my life, I had a lot of issues. I still got some issues. But I want you to know today when Christ came into my life, he made me a better husband. He made me a better father. He made me a better grandfather. I'm a better pastor today. I wouldn't be a pastor today, trust me, if Christ wasn't in me. Listen to me. Christ makes you a better mom, makes you a better dad, a better grandparent, makes you a better business person because you've exchanged an old way of life for a new way of life. One of the guys in our church owns a business. He's a, owns an auto mechanic shop. And we were talking just a couple of weeks ago outside here and after the service. And he had such joy in his face. And I could just see that he was really just content and at peace and happy with life. And I, ta I was talking to him about his business. And I could tell. I could just tell there was something different about him. You know, as we were talking, he began to share with me how that he really believed that God had led him to open this business and that there was a purpose behind it. And he had so much joy in serving his customers. Now, what I know about auto mechanics is their blessing is my bummer. <laughs> but as I listened to him, I, I heard a sincerity of his heart. He was thankful that he could supply employment for his employees. He was thankful that he could meet a need in other people's lives when they were in a time of need. He could treat them fairly with integrity and honesty. He wasn't going to take advantage. He was, he was really grateful. He knew that that was a purpose for which God had called him. Do you know why that happened? Because God's spirit lived in him. The resurrection power of Christ lived in him and made him better, made him become the person that God had called him to be. You see, when you're living this life, you're going to encounter problems. You have power to be a victor today. You have power to overcome today. But you're going to have problems. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have difficulties. It isn't if you're going to have a problem in your life. It's just when you're going to have a problem in your life. Every person in this room desires to be at peace. 
every person that's here today desires to live a life of wholeness and fulfillment and significance and meaning. You know, the peace, the, the problems that we encounter in life are not easy. They're difficult. We've just gone through a very difficult season and challenging time. We're still going through a difficult season and challenging time as a nation and as a country. But I want you to know today, as believers, because of Christ's resurrection power, although we have problems in our life, we do not have to succumb as a victim. Hear me today. You are not a victim. When the resurrection power of Christ lives in you, you are now a victor. You are overcome. You don't have to live overcome today. You can overcome the problems of your life. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, the devil will bring hell against you. The problems of life will seem to overcome come you you will walk through the fire but here let me tell you today the bible has made this promise because of his resurrection power and spirit you will not be burned when the flood when the flood waters come up you will not drown you know why because christ rose from the dead two thousand years ago and he's alive today and he's made you to be an overcomer you are an overcomer today oh don't believe the lie of the devil. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. This is all there is in this life. Your problems do not have to overcome you today. You can overcome. <laughs> I love this passage. I love the passage in Ephesians where Paul says it like this. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of your God and his power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Come on, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will live in you and enable you to become the person, become the person that God has created you to be. And finally, because Jesus was all in his resurrection gives us hope for a preferred future his resurrection gives us hope for a preferred future in first peter chapter one peter would write these words concerning the resurrection power of god what a god we have and how fortunate we are to have him can i get an amen out there come on what a god we have and how fortunate we are to have him this father of our master jesus because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. Listen to this, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. Come on, that future starts now. Because of his resurrection power, we have a brand new life. We have a hope of heaven for our future eternity. But let me tell you today, that future heaven, the future reality of heaven starts right now. Jesus said when we were to pray, we were to pray, his kingdom come, his will be done. His kingdom, his rule, his reign, his peace, his power, his presence. Oh, let it happen in our now. The kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we have a future hope. We have a future hope in a risen Savior. If Christ hadn't risen from the dead, our faith would be in vain. There would be no hope for a preferred future. You see, we can't live our future. We can't live in our future, but we can live for our future today. He's our hope. He's our source. He's our strength. We look to him. We are so fortunate today that he's called us by name. That we're his child, we're his kids, we're king's kids. We have a brand new life. 
everything to live for. You have everything to live for today. I received a message from someone this week, and they're at the end of their ropes in a place of total despair, and they felt like they had nothing else to live for. And they said, maybe I'm unsavable. I want you to know today, there's no one in this room who's unsavable. God loves you today. God loves every person today. God loves you today. God knows your situation and your circumstance. And I want you to know you have a hope in him for a, per per for a preferred future. You see, as believers today, the greatest enemy that we will face in this life is death. We were born to live once. And after that, we will die and experience God's judgment. This is a very grim reality of the human experience. It's completely democratic. It's completely fair. There's no rigging this election. This is exactly the way it's going to be. Every person in this room, every one of us is going to experience a place, a moment that we're going to breathe our last breath. Mary and Martha were two of Jesus' closest friends. And they would say to Jesus, Jesus, come and heal my brother. He's sick. He's at the very point of death. And Jesus didn't show up the first day, the second day, the third day. And the fourth day, he finally arrived. But it was too late. Maybe you feel like your circumstance, your moment right now, it's too far gone. How can God fix this? How can God turn this? I want you to know this today. God might not seem like on time to you. God might not seem like he's early, but God is always on time in our life. And in that moment, Jesus showed up on the fourth day. He said, listen, bring him out of the grave. They said, Lord, you can't do that. His body stinketh. <laughs> he's been dead. And Jesus prayed a simple prayer. He commanded Lazarus to come forth. And in that moment, he was resurrected from the dead. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus told her, he said, Mary, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that today? Do you really believe that you're going to live forever? You know, in God's airplane, in God's economy, God only has two sections. He has non-smoking and he has smoking. You are going to live forever today. Everyone on this planet, we're, we have this promise. We will live forever. Where we live, that decision is up to us. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will never die. Will never die. Come on, you got to tell me the greatest fear that all of us have in this life is the fear of death. They say the top three fears are public speaking, fear of death, fear of death, and heights. I got to tell you today, you say, well, you know, I'm not that afraid. I'll come down here and I'm going to hand you the microphone. I want you to come up here and finish my message for me today. <laughs> hey, oh, you got to be kidding me. I remember several years ago, I was in a hospital room with a man. He's at the very point, very end point of his life. And I remember him saying these words, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to go. Come on. Where are you today? Do you know that you're ready to meet the Lord? Listen, this last year, our whole global economy came to a screeching halt. The way that we live life, the way that we do things, wearing masks and social distancing, all these things have happened in our world because we are afraid to die. I, I, I know that what I know about most of us in this room, everyone wants to go to heaven, just not yet. <laughs> we all want to live. 
my wife has been battling stage four metastatic cancer for the last seven years and the last two years very aggressive and I got to tell you she wants to live she wants to hold baby Amora one more time she takes pills and potions and plants and plant-based diet and powders and prayer we do all that why because we want to live we fight for life God's spirit lives in us but there's going to come a day when we take our last breath there's going to come a day when we're going to breathe our last breath. And as a human being today, do you know, do you know today that you are ready to meet the Lord? Do you believe that you are going to spend eternity with him? You see, but Christ going all in, his resurrection reminds us today that he is coming again. If Christ hadn't been risen from the dead, why as Christians are we awaiting for his return? First Thessalonians chapter 4 says it like this. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Billy Graham says it like this. The Bible is the only book in the world that predicts the future. The Bible is more modern than tomorrow morning's newspaper. Jesus is coming again. You see, we're going to either meet the Lord in the sky as believers in Christ, or we're going to go the way of the grave. But Jesus is coming again. This last couple of months the, with the vaccine situation, I've been getting all these inboxes, these messages, and people are saying, Pastor, is this the mark of the beast? And, you know, all these kinds, all these kind of crazy conspiracy things that I'm hearing and reading about. I'm like, no, no, no. But what I want you to know today is that we are one day closer to the return of the Lord. The Bible says that there are going to be things that happen at the end of time that are going to shake the whole world. Jesus said even the very elect would be deceived if those days were not shortened. The chaos and the confusion, the challenges, not only in our culture, but around the globe, make this reality that there's something greater. There's something greater. And I want you to hear me today. There's a promise of a preferred future in Christ for those that believe. Jesus is coming again. The Bible says, and he's looking for a people who were spotless, without spot nor wrinkle. He's looking for a victor and an overcomer, not a, a defeated, not a broken down, not a victim church. He's looking for a group of people who believe that he is king of kings and he is Lord of lords. And he will rule and reign forever with their father. And here's the beautiful thing. It's not about a, it's not about a race of people it's not about a political party it's not about a it's not about a country or continent it's about all people on planet earth jesus came for every tongue for every tribe for every nation for every generation he is the lord of lords and the king of kings and he loves you today and he's asked that question of you today do you know that do you know where you're going to spend eternity see that day lazarus rose out of that grave when Jesus went to the cross and was crucified, he rose from the dead exactly as he said he would. There's a cross, there's a promise. There's a promise for those who believe we will live with him forever and ever. But we have to make a decision today. We have to make the decision that we're going to live all in for him. I want you to watch this video of a young man in our church who made the decision to go all in for God. Check this out. I am RJ, and this is my story. When I was little, uh, I was with God, like I, I wanted to be, but I wasn't all in. My mom separated from my stepfather. My stepfather was abusive. Gangs are really big in my family. When I was like 15, 
uh, again, I was, you know, there present with God, you know, trying and praying and wanting to feel his presence stuff. But again, I stopped. I joined the military at 16 uh, with a waiver. I joined the infantry, uh, not because it was my only choice, but because the recruiter said it was the most challenging MOS job. Rock bottom without Jesus would be when I was, uh, when I first deployed. So in 2010, uh, I deployed to Iraq. I was a gunner. Um, you know, I was the guy in the Humvee. I was the guy in the top turret. We got hit by an IED. Um, it was the, the, front, the front of the truck, kind of blew. We lost some guys by friendly fire. And, that, and I feel like that's worse because it's like, we tend to blame ourselves, you know, like we should have trained better. We could have done better, especially when they have family and they have kids and, you know, you don't have any of that. So you tend to like think uh, like, oh, it should have been me. I'd rather, you know, take his place because, you know, I don't have anything to go back to. That's like my thoughts. Um, because again, I wasn't so close to my family after all the military. Uh, it kind of brought me more away from God just because I would blame myself and I did blame him. I was very depressed and I went to my mom's church, city of church. I started talking to God a lot more. I, I slowly stopped having nightmares. I was still depending on medical marijuana. Uh, I had that because, you know, I got prescribed pills. I didn't like any of that stuff. Um, so I was going to church, but when I come home, I, I would smoke. At first, I didn't feel like it was a big deal because I'm, I was smoking, you know, by law. I had a medical license and stuff. And there was a, uh, I think a, a sermon where Pastor Eugene was talking about um, idols. Until then, I didn't realize that I was idolizing medical marijuana. I made a promise that I wouldn't purchase, but I was still smoking. So again, I didn't put it all on God until I actually put it all on him saying, okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just stop everything and I'm gonna put it all on you. I'm gonna be able to, uh, to volunteer and lift all these boxes up and all this, even though I have an injury. And I'm, I know I'm gonna be good because I know I'm doing it all for you. And in return, you're gonna heal me. You know, you're gonna help me to just keep going, keep pursuing you. It wasn't until uh, I started going to City Church when I was actually putting it all on him and that's when my life has changed. That's when, you know, I feel like I'm 100%. When I made that promise and I realized that I was still here and there smoking medical marijuana, um, I ended up breaking my license uh, so there is no way that I can uh, go ahead. Not that I, I didn't trust myself, but it was just as a a statement to God, like, no more. <laughs> I'm finding understanding that if I'm alive, if I went through all this, it's for a reason. And I don't want to hide anymore. I don't want to be like, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with that. Um, now I'm like, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, I'm going to try it. I'm not comfortable with this. Well, I'm going to do it anyways. Because you never know when, what God has for you until you actually try I used to have a worry in the church that no, like people were gonna push away from me when they start to know who I was and my background and things that I've done. But like, they actually started getting closer. You know, uh, I got invited to um, a friend's house and we started having dinner. 
um, people actually remembering my name and actually saw me because I used to be a ninja where I was there and then I wasn't, I was there. Um, but now, like, I'm, like, I'm starting to be in the light. <laughs> you have to remember that God is about love. God, he, he shows so much mercy. And when you realize that, you know that even if you make a mistake, you can keep going. All you got to do is make that first step. I'm just, uh, I just know that I wouldn't be here, you know, if it wasn't for God. Um, I just know that he never forgot about me. Um, but, uh, yeah. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet RJ. He's working the middle camera right here in the middle. Can you give RJ a great big hand? Come on, RJ, raise your hand. Come on. Thank you, brother. We're proud of you, man. Thank you for your service to our country. We love you, buddy. Super proud of that decision you made. Come on, he's all in. <laughs> RJ, your past is forgiven. Because Jesus went all in, your past is forgiven. He's given you power for your present. And let me tell you today, you have a preferred future and hope in him because Jesus went in all of for you. RJ, I love you. I'm so proud of you. But you know what? In this room, there's a lot more people like, like RJ. What I love about RJ's story, it was progressive story. He had some kind of understanding of God. My story was radical. I mean, I just got radically saved. That was just one of those. I went from death to life. Everybody around me knew it. It was instantaneous. I was just a rascal and a rebel, and God transformed me. But RJ, we see that he was progressive. And at one point, he had to break a card. Because that card, whether it was right or wrong, that's not our judgment today. We take all kinds of things to alleviate pain in our life. But for him, it had become an idol. And he broke it. And that was the moment he said, God... I'm all in. What you don't know now, he's now an intern here at City Church. and He's serving the Lord here in this service. And he's made a commitment to follow the Christ. And, but what about you today? Are you all in? Are you all in? Do you know God loves you today? Do you know he really, really does? He went to the cross for you. But the cross, the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. And he rose from the dead just for you that's how great his love is yeah he loves the world but he loves you he knows your name he knows your address he knows every detail everything about your life and he wants you to have a relationship with him in the very last book of the bible it says jesus said behold i stand at the door of your heart and i knock he's knocking on someone's door today maybe it's yours he says, listen, if any man, any woman will open that door, I will come in and I will have a relationship with him. Hear me tell you, this is not about a religion. There's a lot of religious out there, a lot of re religious people. I've known people who've gone to church their whole life, their whole life, and have never had a relationship with Jesus. Today, it's about a relationship with the resurrected Christ, knowing that his resurrection reality lives in you. You came in today, we handed out, we call it our connection card. At the very bottom, on the far right-hand side, there's our next steps. And there's four statements on there. And I'm going to ask you to respond. Just, just if everyone could just do this. If you could at least put your name over here on this one side and email address, that would just help us out in knowing that you were here today. 
But I'd like for everyone to take a moment and ask yourself these four statements. Where am I at with them? The first one is, I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, you know you're, you're ready to receive, you know that you're in right relationship with Christ. You know that when you die, you know where you're going. I encourage you to check that box. You're here today, maybe you're a number B. I'm beginning. I want to begin or recommit my relationship to a real relationship with Jesus. I want to recommit my life or I'm going to give my life. I'm going to go all in with Jesus today. Maybe you're here today, just want some more time. I would encourage you, don't let this moment pass by. Today is the day of salvation. Don't do that. Today is the day God is knocking at your door. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. Or D, maybe you're here today and you're not going to make that decision. You know it. Listen, I just want you to be really honest before you and God. No one else, no one else is looking over your shoulder today. This is a moment between you and God. And we're going to give you just that moment right now. I want you just to close your eyes. Allow God to speak to you. Where are you at with the Lord today? Are you in right relationship with him? Do you know him today? Do you know his resurrection reality in your life? Do you have a hope for a preferred future? Father, you see every heart today. You know every life. In this moment, you, take, you got your card in your hand. You can open your eyes. I want you to check one of these boxes. Check one of these boxes. We're going to say a prayer together as a congregation. Can we all just say this prayer together? Just everyone out loud, just say, Lord Jesus, I admit today that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead on that third day. And today with my mouth, I confess that I'm all in for you. Lord Jesus, today, help me to live for you the best I know how the rest of my life in your wonderful name. I believe in that moment, there's someone that really said that prayer and you meant it. And you know what the Bible says? When one person goes from death to life, when one person says yes to Jesus, all the angels of heaven stop and rejoice. So come on, let's put our hands together. Let's rejoice in the goodness of our God. Let's rejoice in his resurrection power today. He loves you today. After our worship experience today, if you could take this card and drop it in one of the boxes on your way out, and we'll have someone shoot you an email. You sh if you checked off number B on there, we'd love to pray with you afterwards. But we stand together this morning as we continue our resurrection service and celebration of the worship of our resurrected King.